Oh, good morning, Eastgate Church. It is so good to see you guys today, braving this nasty weather that's outside. But I tell you, fall is upon us. It is upon us. I love seeing the leaves change. I love uh, the weather changing. I love the temperatures dropping. Can I get an amen? Because we're one day closer to full-fledged hoodie weather. Oh, Lord. Can't wait for that. Can't wait for that. A lot of stuff going on. I heard the Georgia Bulldogs won again. There's a sign, sign of the times. Jesus is coming soon. There's an evil force overtaking the land out there. <laughs> hey, if you're a guest here today, welcome to Eastgate Church. So glad to have you here today. My name is Josh Lee, pastor here at the church, which means that I am the lead servant. And uh, everybody here just loves Jesus. Don't want you to feel like a guest anymore. You're family. We hope you feel like you're home today. We want you to feel welcome. Uh, everybody watching online, hey, don't forget to like and share the live stream so that we can get the word out there and help reach as many people as we possibly can with the gospel, because that's what we're all about here at this church. We're starting a new message series here today. And before we get too much further in it, guys, we bring me down just a little bit in this microphone, because if I talk much louder, we're going to have to have a healing service for eardrums. And we don't want to do that, though we do believe that God can heal. Amen. We just don't want to create situations on our own where he would have to do that. So uh, rednecks do that all the time, though, usually f followed by the words, hey, watch this. That's when the acts come. That's when the trouble starts. We're starting a new message series today, though, and we're calling it We Too. We Too. You know, uh, football season is in full effect right now. And I love football. How many football fans do we have in the house? That's what I'm talking about. I love football. Uh, but when you watch football teams out on the field, they operate out of something called a playbook. You got to have a playbook. Because they want to take all the individuals that are out on the field and give them specific tasks to do so that the individuals begin to function as a team. So receivers have routes that they're supposed to run on specific plays. Linemen have different blocking assignments on different plays. Running backs have different gaps that they have to hit. Quarterbacks have different check downs and audibles that they can change things to. And all of these people on the field at the same time move as one unit because they make a transition from me to we. Their individual efforts help the greater good of the team because they do their part in the system that's provided by the playbook. Make sense? Now, God's given us a playbook as a church, and it's called his word. And he's given us specific things for us to do as a church to make sure that we're operating as the body of Christ so that we can move from a me mentality to a we mentality as the body of Christ, as his church. Make sense? He wants us to not lay down like our individual identity, but to give up ourselves for the greater good of advancing the kingdom of God. And that only happens when we do our part. And this whole series over the next few weeks is going to focus on what we as a church can do to step into what God has called us to do collectively as a body of believers, to move from me into a we mindset and a we focus not that we're not all there, but 
when we pray, we seek the face of God and he lays on our hearts things to just study on and dwell on for a period of time. And we call them sermon series, but what it is, it says God says camp out on this for a little bit because I want to speak to the church and equip them on a different level to move into what I've called them to do so that we as a church can be ready for the next step that God's leading us to. Amen? Because if we're going to accomplish what God has called us to do and reaching the people that God's called us to reach, if we want to see 2,000 salvations and 1,000 baptisms over the next five years of ministry, listen, we have got to move in step with what the Spirit of God is telling us to do. Listen to God and do what he says. Amen? God's goal is for us to be we, to be together. And if we're not together as believers, how can we encourage one another? If we're not together as believers, how can we bear one another's burdens? If we're not together as believers, how can we spur one another on to works of service? How can we receive the correction from the word of God? How can we be iron sharpening iron in each other's lives if we're not together? And the enemy, one of his, one of his goals, biggest goals he's got is to divide the church and carve people out, to move us from a we to a me mentality and slow down the progress of the kingdom of God on the earth. Well, we got to watch out for that and we got to just keep moving in step with what God's called us to do. Amen? So God wants us to be together as his church. That's been very difficult over the last few months, hasn't it? Let me just be honest. It's been crazy difficult over the last few months. COVID-19 has jacked up, has jacked up the we focus of not just our church, but churches all across this country. Because we've got two groups of people that have been created by COVID-19. One, you've got uh, a group of people that are in the high-risk category. They don't want to get out in public. That are exercising wisdom and protecting themselves and staying home so that they don't get this thing and, and they don't want to run the risk of it taking them out of this world. If you're at high risk and a lot of our people watching online today fall into that category and you're operating with wisdom and praise God, we have an online ministry so you can still get the word of God and hear what God is speaking to us at Eastgate Church from the safety and the protection of your home. And we understand that. And, and there's no, listen, no, 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 no shade being thrown your way Okay, you're operating in wisdom, and that makes perfect sense. There's another group that is not in that high-risk demographic that feels a little more comfortable getting out, and that's most of us here today. Some of us, I love seeing you guys here. Some of you I haven't seen here in a while, and probably COVID has probably played some part in that because not only is it complicating church stuff, but it's complicating home schedules. It's complicating work schedules. It's just complicating life in general, and I get that. So you guys are here today taking precautions. We're taking precautions of the church. We have to now too. You know, it's changed for, for people that show up to church. We're having to sanitize everything before and after services, wipe things down, hand sanitizer stations provided all across the, uh, the facility, um, antibacterial soaps, specific soaps provided in the bathrooms so that we can stop the spread of germs, um, masks provided in the, the entry points of the building so that if you come here and you feel like you want to wear a mask but you forgot one, we're providing that for you. We let people choose what they want to do with the whole mask thing. Some people want to wear a mask. 
and they feel like that's going to give them protection and probably will. And some people are choosing not to wear a mask. And you know what? We figure that people have a brain in their heads and people are pretty good at making decisions for their own lives. And so we're not going to mandate that here at the church. We're going to let you operate in wisdom as it applies to your health and your life. That's how it goes. We, uh, we do require that the children's workers wear masks or shields when interacting with our children in nursery in the back. Um, we do take temperatures of all the children that go into the, the nursery. Um, all the children's workers, temperatures are taken. All of the volunteers, especially now that allergy season is kicking back up here in the fall and you've got mold spores and all that stuff driving people's allergies crazy. We're checking volunteer temperatures too, just to make sure no one's running a fever, just precautions that you gotta take. COVID-19 has complicated life just a little bit. Yeah, I'm sick and tired of talking about it. I'm tired of talking about it this morning, to be honest with you. Um, just COVID is everywhere. It affects everything. But it has really affected the rhythm of churches. And it's affected our ability to come together as the body. There's a third group, though. There's a third group out there that's not playing it safe and not here today or tiptoeing back into attending church again. There's another group out there that has seen the disruption and the pattern and taking it as an opportunity to just drop off the map. And I don't want that to be the case here in the church. So if you're watching online or if you listen to this recording later, listen, God wants his church to be together. Whether you're watching online at home because you're operating in wisdom and taking precautions or you're here wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, God wants us to be together so that we, we can accomplish what he's called us to as a body of believers. So that we can encourage one another as believers. So that we can build each other up. Amen? How many of y'all have heard people say, it just, these people say, well, I believe that I can take a Bible and walk out in the woods and it can just be me and my Bible and God and I'd be just fine. Had a guy say that to me one time. To be honest with you, I've thought that a time or two. <laughs> um, I think a good question to ask in response to that is, why would you want to do that? What's motivating you to do that? Why do you want to disconnect? Why do you want to walk away? Usually it's frustration, hurt, you know, something along the way. How, how are you going to witness to people if you isolate yourself? How are you going to disciple people if you isolate yourself? How can you, how can you contribute to the body of Christ that you're supposed to be a part of if you isolate yourself, you know? Another one I've heard, y'all probably heard this. Well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Anybody ever heard that? You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Really? You really want to roll the dice on that? Really? You know, I mean, I'll say it again. How can you accomplish what God's called you to do if you're not connected to his local church? Just can't happen. You know, you're taking all the gifts and talents that God has given you and you're burying them in the sand somewhere not using them. Now, I don't know if you remember the parable that Jesus was telling about the guy that had the talents and buried it in the sand. Didn't work out well for him, did it? Didn't work out too good. I don't know that I would want to roll the dice on that. I do know what the Bible says. Though. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, uh, verses 24 and 25, it says that we're supposed to encourage one another and spur one another on to works of service and to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. 
You know what that means? It means don't not go to church. That's what that means. I think it, if God thought it was important enough to put that in the Bible, then it's probably important enough for us to pay attention to it and be together as his body. Okay? And I'm not, like, I'm not fussing or, you know, trying to, to throw guilt at anybody. This is just something we got to think through. You know, I've heard people say, well, now, the early church... They, they didn't get together in, in this big building now because the church isn't a building. The church is the people. You ever heard that before? Church isn't a building. Church is the people. And that's true. You know, the whole, here's the church, here's the steeple, open it up and look at all the people. No, it's open it up and look at the church that's inside the building. I get that. But the building is a gathering place for the church that we're not supposed to forsake the participation in. So I think God is speaking to us through this series, not just the importance of coming back into fellowship and making sure that we're available for fellowship with one another, but to make sure that we're available for some of the key elements that are essential for the function and the survival of a church and for us spiritually. Um, well, the early church, they met in homes. They had home church. They didn't get together and have big church. Really? That's kind of true and kind of not true all at the same time. They did meet together in each other's homes, but the Bible also says that they gathered together daily in the temple courts to hear the apostles' teachings. And then it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They gathered together at the temple. You know what the temple was? Church, building, so the early church gathered together to hear the apostles teach. So if we really want to be biblically accurate, okay, yeah, we can meet in our homes, but listen, we, we probably need to be meeting every day. Every day, if we're going to split hairs like that, you know, what am I saying? I'm saying it's very important for us to be together. God's intention was for us to be together as a church. Why? So that we can move from thinking about me to functioning as we. And one of the biggest ways that we can do that is through discipleship. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, discipleship. That is the big, it's very important to the heart of God. It's so important that he actually put it in the Great Commission. One of the last big commands that Jesus gave to us, the church, in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We're going to come back to that in just a second. It says, therefore, go and make disciples. Everyone say disciples. disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I love the way this verse grouping is set up. In Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That word therefore is a qualifying word. Any guys that like to study the Bible understand this. It's a qualifying word. Anytime you see the word therefore, you need to hit pause and go back and read what you just read because what you just read 
qualifies and sets up what you read after therefore. Does that make sense? You got to stop and say, what's the therefore, therefore? And you go back and you see. So Jesus says, I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations, but there's a qualifier there. If you go back, he says, because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, because that's happened, go now and make disciples of all nations. He's kind of building up the disciples so that they don't get overwhelmed with this task of discipleship that he's giving them. He's saying, hey, don't forget don't forget the reason why you're able to do what I'm commanding you to do. The, the word authorities in the New Testament has got a couple of meanings, okay? Um, one of them is the word dunamis, the word dunamis. Dunamis is, it, it's kind of just like power or being able to operate in power. It's like if I walk up to a, a, a bench with some weights on it and I'm able to bench press 250, 300 pounds, whatever the weight is, I am operating in the power necessary to make that happen. That's a dunamis operation of authority and power. I'm operating in something that I have. This is not the word that Jesus is using here though. He's using a word called exousia. Exousia is a different kind of word to explain authority. It means authority or authorization of power or authority to execute distribution of power. Jesus says, listen, I want you guys to go and make disciples, but understand why you're able to do this. You're able to do this because I have now been given all authority, all authority to execute the distribution of power. That means that I've got control to give you what you need when you need it at my discretion so that you don't lack in anything as you go forward to do what I'm calling you to do. He's removing fear and apprehension from the disciples. And I'm wondering if those words don't ring true today that we need to be reminded that he's calling us to make disciples and calling us to do these things. And he's saying, don't forget don't forget to the people in this room, I had the ability, I had the authority to execute the distribution of power. I can put any number on the check. I can do any miracle that needs to be done. I can move any mountain that needs to be moved. I can give you the words to say. I can give you the boldness that you need. You will not be lacking in anything. Go and make disciples because I am the power source behind you, giving you everything that you need. That's what Jesus is saying to these guys. And when we think discipleship, like I don't know how it rings with you, but immediately I start thinking of a classroom. I start thinking discipleship classes. I start thinking um, somebody giving me information from the word of God. And that's an equipping of information by a teacher, but that's not the entirety of discipleship. If you wanna know what discipleship really means, you have to understand the culture that Jesus lived in and that the disciples lived in at that time. Any rabbi or any teacher of the law that was a recognized teacher had disciples. 
Jesus was not the only person in the Bible that had disciples. John the Baptist had disciples. Other would have been popular teachers at the time. They had disciples that would follow them and learn from their teaching. But the, the heart of discipleship in that culture was not a classroom setting where they were lectured to hour after hour. Discipleship had more of a let's do life together feel to it. And so these disciples would gather around this rabbi or this teacher and they would just be with them day in and day out, walking where they walked, going where they went, walking alongside of them because the heart of discipleship isn't so much that you're following a person, but you're walking alongside somebody and doing life with them and learning about life from them. And it was out of the... the um, the opportunities that were presented by life, just the circumstances, the situations, the trouble, the, the, the stuff that was there, these, these teachers were able to train the disciples that were with them day after day, out of, just at, out of the happenings of life. That's discipleship. Jesus says, discipleship isn't class, it's about we coming together to do life with others so that they can learn from our experience so that we can pour into them and help them along the way in their spiritual journey. That's powerful to me. And one of the things I really appreciate about Jesus was that he didn't just tell us to do it, he did it in his life. For three and a half years, he walked around with the disciples and he did life with them. And if you look at most of the teaching of Jesus that we have recorded in scripture, it's not gonna be a guy up behind a pulpit who's gonna give you three points and then do an altar call. This is a guy who is teaching out of the moments of life to his disciples around him and also to the crowds of people that were out there following too. He was using life as a platform to teach spiritual principles and spiritual truth to impart his wisdom into his followers so that they could be equipped to do everything that God was calling them to do. That's discipleship. That's discipleship. And he's calling us to do the same thing today. I love that Jesus cares enough about us that he's telling us to make disciples. He's telling us to be together, to transfer our life experience, to help us not make the same spiritual mistakes that others that have gone before us have made, you know, that we can teach those lessons to people so that they can accomplish more than we ever could in our walk with God. And I remember a couple of years ago, it's a great mentor, friend of mine, passed away. His name was Tom Wilson. And Tom, he impacted my life because Tom, he wouldn't like teach these profound things, but he would find you walking in a hallway and he would just, catch you in a moment and say, hey, I love you. I believe in you. You've got so much potential inside of you and I can't wait to see what God does in your life. How many of you would love to have somebody just walk up and speak that kind of life over you? That's what he would do. And he would just teach in moments. Tom passed away and I went to his funeral and his son Scott was speaking at this funeral. And this is one of the most impactful moments of my life ever. Scott was sharing a, a dream that he had had. And 
he was talking about this dream, and in his dream, he was preaching to this great crowd of people, and he was up on this stage behind a podium, and he was just preaching, and God was moving, and, and you could tell that God was impacting people's lives, and people were getting saved and coming to know Jesus, all while Scott was preaching. And then Scott said, in my dream, I just stopped for a second, and I took a step back, and I looked down. And in the stage where I was standing, there was a square that was cut out. And I realized that I wasn't standing on the stage. I was standing on my father's shoulders. And I looked down and I saw my father there and he was, he was holding my legs and holding me up and just praying and crying and interceding over me and praying in the spirit over my life and going to war for me spiritually. And then I looked down below my father and, and I saw my grandfather and my grandmother and I saw other people that had been key in my life to help me become who I am today. And it was just one person standing on shoulders of each people that had come before them. And I was there standing on my father's shoulders. And from the crowd, if you looked at the, at the pulpit, Scott said, it looked like I was standing there on my own and it looked like I was preaching and the fire was falling from heaven. But from where I was standing, I realized that I would not be where I was if I was not standing on the shoulders of the people that had come before me. And Scott said, I realized that what my father had done for me and what all those other people had done for me and pouring into my life has had allowed their spiritual ceiling to become my spiritual floor so that I could go further than they could ever go in their life, that they could ever go in their calling. They poured into me so that I could accomplish the things that they could have never accomplished in their lives. And in that moment, God said, I realized that that right there was the heart of discipleship. And when I heard those words, God hit me like a freight train and said that there is the heart of discipleship for my church that we lift each other up on our shoulders and we give our experience to one another then so we lift each other up so that our spiritual ceilings can become the floor for somebody else to go further faster and have more impact through their life for the kingdom of God than we ever would that's the heart of discipleship that we lift one another up that we move from me to we, and we pour our lives into one another. There's a passing on. There's a passing on constantly with the people that we touch with our lives. There's a passing on constantly with the people that we have an opportunity to mentor and train. There's a passing on in our families. There's a passing on in our associates. There's a passing on in ministry that takes place. Because it's not about us. It's about us setting up the next generation to go further than we could ever go on our own. That's discipleship. That's discipleship. How's that supposed to look in a church? Here's one example. Shelly, come on up. Shelly is a worship leader for our church. Shelly does not operate in this, though, by herself. There's a worship team that serves with Shelly. 
And there's a couple of leaders I want to bring up uh, this morning as well. Um, Pastor Jeremy, if you come on up. Sharina, if you will, come on up. What does this look like? Shelly's called to be the leader. How are we going to do this in this little box? I hate. Let's get Shelly to be over here. Jeremy and Sharina, y'all be over here. And I'll be the short guy in the middle for everyone watching online. All right. Shelly's a leader of this worship ministry. But Shelly's not called to just do this on her own. She's called to pour her gifts, her talents, everything that she's got into the people that she leads so that not only will they go further in their own personal walk with God, but so that the ministry becomes deeper and stronger and tiered out. That's what leadership looks like. That's what discipleship looks like. As we give our shoulders to people to lift them up so that our ceiling becomes their floor. And so Shelly, prayer, anointing, leading, guiding, pouring into these people prepares them for the day when they step into the call of God on their life and they're able to stand on their own two feet and then they turn around and do the same thing for others. It's what it's supposed to look like. Amen? And that's what it looks like today. Shelly's been praying and seeking the Lord and it's felt like it is time for her to step down from being the worship leader of the church and transition out and to pass the baton to the next generation of leaders so that they can take the worship ministry of this church further and deeper than it ever has gone before. This is what discipleship looks like. Sometimes it's not fun because God calls people to different places. God calls people to different ministries, to different churches. But we have to understand we, not me, we are part of not just Eastgate Church, but we are part of the body of Christ, which is so much bigger than this church in, in Winston, Georgia. So much bigger. And so God moves people to where he needs them to be. And his kingdom, because he sees all the pieces on the board, we just see the pieces that are right in front of us. I will say this. Pastor Shelley and the time that she's led worship at this church has done a phenomenal job. Done a phenomenal job. She's led with integrity. Listen, this woman has showed up hurting, suffering from migraines. She's shown up when she didn't want to be here because she surrendered herself to the call of God and saw the benefit of what God wanted to do in your lives greater 
than her own personal feelings. This woman has operated with wisdom. I have never had to worry at all about our worship ministry here at this church because of the level of maturity that this woman operates in. Not one time. She has laid a strong foundation. She has laid a strong foundation in the generation that's coming up behind her to take our worship to the next level in this church. She's done her job well. And everything that Pastor Jeremy and Sharina will be doing as our new like worship leadership team going forward, um, they're leading the worship band. And we're doing some changes with worship too that I'll tell you more about in the coming weeks. It's exciting what God is doing in the worship ministry of this church. The vision and the ideas and the passion that he is pouring in. It's just, it's just more confirmation that this is the God thing and he's taking us the next step in the vision of this church. Everything that they do though is gonna be built on the foundation that Shelley has laid. Just like everything Shelley's done has been laid on the foundation that Donna Yarbrough laid before her. Just like everything that Donna did was built on the foundation. You see where I'm going? This is how the body of Christ works. That we pour into one another and set each other up to accomplish what God has called us to do. So there's a handoff happening today between Shelley and this new worship team. And I can't tell you, a little bit sad, but I can't tell you how excited I am because I know God is all in this. He's all in this. He's all in this. So can we do this? I got a little more I need to do today. Um, can we give God some praise for the ministry of Pastor Shelley and give him praise for the transfer of leadership in the worship ministry of this church and for what's ahead of us, because I believe that the best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. Let's give God praise in the house. Of God. Amen. Oh, you can stay up here. You can stay up here. We got... Dave Varney ready to jump out of a birthday cake for you to say goodbye. <laughs> to you, at least not really. I wouldn't do that to anybody ever. Oh, my gosh. Well, be, she said that would have to be a really big birthday cake. That, that birthday cake's eight feet tall. What's going on? Um, times of transition and change in people's lives and in people's callings. Probably none of us in here were where we were 10 years ago, vocationally, in ministry, maybe even in church homes. Um, God's speaking to Shelly, and not just Shelly, but her husband, Lance. Lance, if you will come up here for just a moment. Man, I love this guy. Shelly said, me too. Hey, now listen, y'all don't be doing anything. Y'all need it. So... Shelly's doing what she's doing in obedience to what God is laying on her heart. And Lance has been doing the same thing too. Um, they've both been praying. They feel like that 
in this season of life, God would have them to step down from their involvement in ministry here at this church and to step out into what they don't know. Um, and that can be kind of a scary time because you have to trust God on a whole new level. Um, Shelly and Lance been a part of this church for a very long time, but they're both feeling in their hearts that that time is coming to an end, at least for this season. I'll say that selfishly, because you never know what God's going to do. Um, but I love this because in a way, as a church, we're sending them out into this next season of what God is calling them to do in their lives. Empty nesters with the, all the freedom in the world to do whatever God wants you to do. Um, but I wanted to honor them for a second today. We're not saying goodbye to them today. They're going to be with us for a little bit longer. But next Sunday... This is very important. You guys watching online next Sunday, we're going to have a small reception for them after service to honor them, to say thank you, and to give them a hug and give them an opportunity to kind of share their hearts with people. But I promise you this, if you go up to, to them after service today and say, hey, what's God asking you to do next? They're going to tell you this. I don't know. They don't know. They know what this step is. And oftentimes God will tell you to take this step before he shows you what the next step is. And they're being obedient to what God has told them to do in taking this next step. Now, just for the skeptics and the naysayers that are out there, listen, I hate drama, I hate confusion, and I hate unnecessary issues in the church. They distract us from what God has called us to do. Amen? Okay, we don't want that. So I wanted to ask you guys a question. You have to use good body language, I guess, because you don't have a microphone. But just so everybody knows, is there a problem between you and leadership in this church? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Is there a problem between you and anyone in this church that is causing you to do what you're doing? No. Nope. Is it 100% the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life? Yes, it is. Okay. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. I'm proud of them because it takes a lot of trust in God to do what they're doing. They've been at this church for a long time. Okay? They're a powerful couple in ministry. God's got powerful plans for them. I know. Don't know what that's going to look like, but I know the Holy Spirit that's in operation in their lives. These two have laid foundation after foundation in this church. Not just in this church, but pretty much every life that you touch since you gave your heart to Jesus. You guys are phenomenal. There are leaders in here today. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for these two laying the foundation in your life and giving their shoulders to you to lift you up so that their ceiling could become your floor. They've been with this church forever. Like Moses and the children of Israel left Egypt Lance and Shelly came to the church shortly thereafter in the promised land, and then God miraculously kept them from getting old, and here we are today. <clears throat> They've been here forever. They've been here forever, all right? Um, they've impacted a lot of lives. And I wanted to take a moment in this message because it seems so appropriate To honor you guys for 
four years of service. Giving your shoulders to so many people to lift them up, to disciple, to love, to care, to correct, to encourage, to serve at a level that people just don't do anymore. Wholehearted devotion to the kingdom of God. Thank you for laying foundations in this church. Thank you for letting your ceilings become the floors of so many people. Eastgate Church, can we give praise to God for the life and ministry of these two people? Come on. We can do better than that. We can do better than that. Thank God. Amen. I was joking with Lance and I told him we're gonna, the board voted unanimously in the last board meeting to put corduroy over all the doors and exit so that he cannot touch it to get out of the church when the time comes because he hates that. Um, we love you guys. I'm excited about what God's gonna do in and through your lives. And don't forget next week, we're just gonna take a little bit of time after service to love on them some more, okay? All right, thank you guys so much. See, Pastor Jeremy, I didn't cry that much, that much. Ish. I love those guys. I can tell you, real discipleship doesn't happen, though, unless you get close to people. And uh, if I seem a little emotional, it's because I love those two. I love those two tremendously. Every follower of Jesus has an opportunity to let their ceiling become a floor to someone else. Everybody. And I know we just had a special moment for for Lance and Shelley here. But I want you to stop and think about this. When we're in heaven, we're going to be able to have the greatest moment of all. And we're going to be able to see the lives that we've impacted and changed for the kingdom of God. And we're going to see the fruit of our effort. And we're going to see how far those people that we poured into went and who they poured into. See the impact that just dominoes through this process of discipleship as we move from me to we and we pour our lives into one another. We all have that opportunity to let our ceiling become a floor to somebody else. The big $20 question is, will our ceiling become a floor or will it become a lid for somebody? Will it become a floor or will it become a lid? Because if we're not there to disciple the people that God has called us to disciple and to pour our experience and love and life into the people that he's called us to, we've just capped them. And they're missing all of our experience. They're missing all of the wisdom. They're missing everything that we have to pour into them day by day as we go through life. I want to challenge you today to not let your ceiling be a lid for somebody's life. 
I want to challenge you to make yourself available, to pour into others, to walk with one another, to do life with one another, to encourage one another, to build each other up, to be the iron that sharpens the iron of somebody else's life because it's an incredibly important part of how God has chosen for his church to function. We set each other up for success spiritually in our lives. And there's so many lids that, that, that life and, and the world and the enemy and so many things that, that, that potentially can just cap us individually. You know, there's, there's lids from people that we come into contact with in our lives that, that speak death over us instead of life over us. And some of us, you may have grown up in a family like that where your parents weren't the positive influence they should have been. They just spoke negativity and they abused you your entire life. People hurt us. Sometimes people betray us and that hurt can cause us to box off and become a lid in our lives so that we don't step into who God has called us to be. And then we're not there for somebody when they need us to be there because we're doing me instead of thinking about we in the kingdom of God. There's lids that we set ourselves because... Sometimes we don't feel like we're qualified to do what God has called us to do, and we don't have all the tools, and we don't have all the talents. And I've got good news for you today. You don't have to have all the tools and all the talents because Jesus has all the tools and all the talents and all the provision that we're ever going to need. And he's called us to go and make disciples because he can give us what we need when we need it to impact the lives of other people. And there are lives that are in churches too because the church is becoming really good at behavior modification instead of seeing life transformation happen in people. Church is getting really good at trying to fit people into the box of what a Christian is or isn't supposed to be instead of letting God move in somebody's life and bear the fruit of the Spirit in their life at His time and in His process so that He can grow them from the inside out the way that it's supposed to be. There's so many lids that are out there. They get put on life. And we've got to shake all of those lids. We've got to shake all of those lids and make ourselves available to other people to give them our shoulders so that our ceilings can become their floors. Is this picture in your mind yet? This is what discipleship is all about. Us together, we as the body of believers, lifting each other up and encouraging each other and passing that baton, passing that life experience, passing that wisdom so that you don't have to make the same mistakes that I've made in my life and so that I don't have to make the same mistakes that you've made in your life and so that we don't have to fall for the same traps that the enemy throws at us over and over and over again. We can be equipped to be aware of what the enemy's doing so that we can continue to operate in power. And it all comes down to Jesus. All comes down to Jesus. He gives us the equipping that we need. He operates in that exousia authority to give us what we need. And that's why the Bible says that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. That's why the Bible says that the Spirit equips us with everything that we need for life and godliness. He gives us everything that we need. It's just our job to step out and trust him and touch the life of somebody else. To move from being me to thinking about we.
You know, in John 14, Jesus, he, he, he like completes this discipleship process with his disciples. In John 14, 12, he's talking to them and he says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Let me break down what Jesus just said. He said, whoever believes in me will do what I've been doing, but because I'm going to my Father, they're gonna do greater things than these. You know what Jesus just said there? That I've lived my life in such a way so that my ceiling can become your floor spiritually so that you, my church, can go out and do greater things than I was able to do with my life. It's a process of discipleship. That Jesus gave us his shoulders to lift us up on the cross, to set us free from sin so that we could go further than he ever could, so that we could do greater things as the church, as the body of Christ, than he could do on his own. That's the heart of discipleship. That's the heart of discipleship. Now, I don't know about you, but I will give my life for that. I'll give my life to that. Because my Savior did. Every day he was in the process because he understood it wasn't about him it was about those that he was able to impact. That it wasn't about me, it was about the we that he was building that would be the early church. And I think what God is speaking to us today is just don't forget, hey, that he loves us, that he did everything he possibly could for us and he'd do it all again right now. That he's given us everything we need for our own personal life and calling. That he cares about every need that we have in our lives. That he cares that we're provided for. That he cares that we operate in joy. He's very concerned about us as individuals. But he also sees all the pieces on the board. And he's very concerned and very interested in how we build each other up. Why? So that we can accomplish the greater things that he envisioned for each of us. Everyone stand with me this morning, if you will. If you can. You guys that are watching online, stay with me for just a couple of more minutes. If you just tuned in, hey, stick with me for a second. Probably don't have anything better to do. Football hadn't started yet, so give me a few more minutes. One of the greatest examples of a handoff in the Bible was when Elijah passed his mantle or his cloak on to Elisha. And that anointing, that power, all that was transferred and passed down from one prophet to the next prophet. And Elisha went forward and he operated, listen, Elisha operated in a more powerful way than Elijah. He did amazing things in his life. Elisha died. 
And years later, the Bible says that there were some raiders going around in an area, and one of them died. And they took the dead man's body, and they threw it into a tomb where Elisha was buried. And the second that the man's body hit Elisha's bones, he came back to life. Elisha was so powerful that even in his death, the anointing of God rested on him in such a way that when a dead man touched his bones, he was brought back to life. And on one level, I think that is just awesome and I want to operate that way. And on another level, I say that is horrible because he took the anointing to the grave with him instead of passing it on to somebody else. And I don't want that to be the story that's written about me. And I don't want that to be the story that's written about you, that we took everything that God gave us and we kept it for ourselves and took it to the grave, thinking only of ourselves instead of remembering that we're supposed to lift each other up, to let our shoulders be available to one another so that our ceilings can become someone else's floor in the process of discipleship. I want to live a life that impacts other lives for the kingdom of God. See, I don't care. I'm at the place in my life, in my ministry. I just, I don't care if I stand in front of huge crowds because I've done that before and it's whatever. I don't want to serve in a huge church because I've been there before. I've done that, whatever. I, I, I want to do what God has called me to do. What's in it for me, what gets me, I want to see generation after generation of transformed lives because I gave myself to others to help them go further in their walk with God to accomplish their calling and to do what God has called them to do with their lives. That's the legacy that I want to lead, that in my obedience, I help others go further and accomplish more for the kingdom of God. And I believe that's the heart of Jesus. Greater things, greater things.